Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the host, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Yeah. It's just like a storage house of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. So, we're here to discuss the uh, Indigo Nights Live Sessions CD, which is a compilation of various recordings from the uh, London After Shows from 2007, accompanied by, I should say, the book that came out of the, of the same year was accompanied by this CD. Just to start off, did anyone get the book? I mean, we're going to be discussing the album today, but any, any quick thoughts on the book that came along with this, 21 Nights? It is a um, pretty interesting book. Picture book? It, it's, yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, I see it as a big sort of vanity project. Some of the pictures are interesting. You got things like that yellow suit that he's got the yellow suit with the hood. Mm. I mean, who custom makes one of them? It might be Fubu or something. You know? <laughs> although, although I take an educated guess and say it's probably like Versace or something like. That. Yeah, it's Ali G. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does look pretty ridiculous. I don't know. I think what Prince was going for is is something uh, like a different method to releasing CDs, like how he's went through the newspaper, went through different avenues to get the music out. And I think this is just another way of releasing something is through a book. So, I mean, I think it's a good idea that he's changing it up a bit and bringing it out that way. So it's different, but some of the pictures in the book, I mean, for 70 bucks or whatever it costs to bring out, it's a bit much. I mean, half of the book is pictures of just like traffic and stuff like that mm. I would have liked to have seen more pictures from the Indigo Nights like the after shows in there yeah I don't think there's a, there's a single it's, there's a single no. picture from the Indigo Club at all no I think there might have been one of the dance floor but I think that's it mm. and then other than that there's nothing so I would have liked to have seen like especially with the accompanying CD that you know you see some pictures of of what you're listening to so I mean, you do get that from the main concert, like some of the, the action shots from that. But yeah, I think it's just a, a little bit weird how they didn't put any of that in there. It's not too dissimilar from that um, Live in Hawaii book that, that came out a while ago as well, I guess. It's just kind of... Although the, the Hawaii one, I don't think, had too many um, lyrics or any poetry inserts. And, and this one has a little bit, but I think it's going a bit far to say that it's a, I don't know, poetry. Mm. I wonder if the, any of the uh, the quotes and poetry in there is anything from the new upcoming material from Lotus Flower or MPLS Sound or mm. Mm, be interesting to see if it crops up later yeah. down the track. It has happened before. One aspect that I thought was a bit disappointing was that the book was advertised as being you know pictures from the concert when it really it, it's not really it's more of a like play a set of vanity projects and also it was also advertised as being containing poetry and half the poems in there are songs that mm. most of us had already heard a thousand times. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was I gotta say I was very disappointed with the actual book. Yeah. Uh, music, different thing. We'll get onto that. But the actual book, I was a bit disappointed with, especially when you compare it with the Sacrifice of Victor and the Hawaii book, which is a lot more candid in the face of the audience. You know, getting down and dirty, not this sort of stylized pose. Uh, it's almost like a pose, isn't it? Yeah. Very stylized. Yeah. Very photoshopped. Mm. 
and personally, that's that's not really what I was hoping to get out of it. But I can understand if, if people are into all that thing, then they might get something different maybe, out of it. Maybe the ladies had a different opinion about it, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say, I haven't seen this new book, but you look at this book, you look at the Hawaii book, and for someone who's so paranoid about having people take pictures of him and he doesn't want to be idolised, he doesn't want to sign autographs, but he puts out books full of pictures of himself... <laughs> That's that just plan. seems a bit strange. It's a very good That's and, a bit and, strange to me. And there, there, there's another thing that um, was fairly interesting. Uh, I read somewhere someone made a comment about... There's actually a picture of a Bible in there. Mm. And um, with his initials, we could only assume PRN. It, it's kind of... Yeah, I read a few different comments from... can't remember where exactly about, you know, what is this, a direct line to the... You know, to God or... <laughs> it's kind of... Yeah, definitely amusing to say the least, you know. Yeah. I think that thing's kind of inevitable now. And like everything he does, he's always going to have... Have some sort of reference to Jehovah in there somewhere. Mm. So I've, I've sort of come to just accept it that, oh well, I'm used to it now. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, let's get into the album, which uh, sounds like you know more people are more interested in and, and have maybe uh, slightly more glowing things to say about. So the, the album came out along with the book, so you, you cannot legitimately purchase the Indigo Night City without purchasing the book. A lot of people ended up purchasing the book. I, I kind of figured to get that to get that album. Going to get into that now. So really, it's compiled of after show recordings. Obviously, fairly I, I would imagine fairly high quality soundboard recordings for this, and from two separate shows, as, as far as I know. Is, has anyone confirmed that? Or yeah, it's two shows edited and mixed together. Also, just overall, I think there was fairly minimal overdubbing. I'm not sure what anyone else heard in the in the mix, but um, it sounds fairly most for the most part live. Yeah, the only thing I I might be wrong, but the only thing I think might be overdubbed is the horn intro at the very beginning. I think he's put an extra keyboard part over that. But other than that, it's like compared to his other live stuff he's put out, it's definitely not as much. Yeah, much more raw sounding, which is which I think is a good thing. So when I first heard this, I thought it was great sounding. Really, it's it's pretty much just a party party atmosphere. I, I thought there wasn't enough instrumental work by Prince, and and when I say instrumental, I mainly mean guitar work. And I think that a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of Prince fans, guys and girls, look for that type of stuff when there's a live recording or a live gig. But by yeah, the I, by the same token, I, I was kind of impressed by a lot of the um, uh, instrumental parts by by the band. I, think, I did um, notice there wasn't a lot of guitar on there. Yeah, it was pretty simple. I mean, you got, you, you've got a whole lot of love and the one, the question of you, and a bit of Alphabet Street, but that's that's most of it. There's not a whole lot more on there. I think the point more of the After Show CD in this case was to more highlight the band and, and to sort of document the 21 Nights thing, but I think it was... He does lay back. I mean, if you look at the track listing and in terms of like guitar solos, he doesn't really sort of really do anything until, say, Holola Love comes on, which is like the ninth track in. So, yeah. yeah. I think also with um, It Ain't Over, the One Night Alone after show CD, I think because that's got like a 10 minute, you know, join repetition guitar solo on that. Wow, by the way, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the best track on that CD. And oh, I yeah. think that's what's sorely missing off this CD is well, a track I- like that. I think it's deliberately missed because I think he figures, well, I did that on the last one. I'm going to but start this, and he, he tries to get more of the comedy elements into this one, just to show you know different sides of his personality. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure everything he releases, everything he does, is very carefully measured and thought out as how that's going to come across to people. And I'm sure putting stuff like this, just like you, monologue, is very. There was a lot of thought behind putting that out. Mm. 
Yeah, they would have had just put that out. They would have had to. I think not so much when they were doing it live. That maybe it came out spontaneous or, or semi choreographed. But yeah, I, I agree. It's um, it, it's in there for a purpose, and it takes up what three three sort of half tracks, half yeah. songs. Yeah. Mm. Full thing. So, but uh, I actually thought that was cool to hear. But I guess we'll get into that when we go through the track by track reviews. So yeah, there's a, there's a bit of humor. I mean, it's just it's kind of like just one long jam. From my point of view, fun to listen to. And I, I have to admit, this band when, when they first came out, whenever it was, you know, early '05, I think they caught a lot of flack from from Prince fans and on various websites and all that kind of stuff. And in comparison to that, and I've never seen these guys live, but hearing it, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, some, definitely funky. I think it's going to be hard to argue with that. So um, I won't. Okay. It <laughs> doesn't sound like anyone else will, so let's get in <laughs> to track one, 31-21. My favorite track off that album, and probably my one of my favorite tracks of recent times. Uh, I'd agree throw with it you. out. Throw it out to Toe Jam. Yeah, I, that's what I had at the top of my list too. Is that that's probably one of the better tracks of say the last five or six years. The jam is good. You know, it's, I like the way he goes into DMSR, throws that in, mixes it up. Horn solos are good, but I don't know. Mike Phillips to me sometimes like he's an awesome player, but sometimes his showboating does kind of like it's good to hear the first time, but once you listen to it a couple of times, you're like, yeah, 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 I get the showboating player. Yeah, um, definitely, it's it's one of the better tracks that he has released in the last few years. Really love that horn intro, but I would have probably maybe liked to have seen it towards the end of the song instead of the start of the song, because I, I, I prefer the album version better. Like, I would have liked to have seen it start with the, the bass and drums and sort of built up from there and then gone into a really kicking guitar solo and then the horns go at the end, kind of like what you get in It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night, where it sort of just goes all crazy towards the end. And I think that would have worked maybe towards the end. It still works in the beginning, but I reckon it, it could have built up to being something really big. Like Jam said, a nice mix with the DMSR into it. It's a nice touch. Greg Boyer is in there as well with his solo. I kind of agree with you. Mr. Trombone. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree with you with Mike Phillips. He just sort of overdoes it a bit. I mean, some of the stuff he does is really cool, but he, he's sort of got to learn to when to hold back a bit. And maybe, I don't know, the placing of the song on the CD should have been maybe at the end as well to have like a real banging sort of end to the, um, to the thing. But all in all, it's a great track. Okay. And Captain? Yes. I'll say about this song, I've only listened to this album for the first time yesterday and again today. And just the basis of 3121, just the song, even not on this CD, it's so similar to Days of Wild. You get the drums and bass on both of those songs, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. And I just I just realized that when I was listening to it. You got DMSR in there, and I do get sick of the horn solos. And I think the Prince wants to let his band do what they do, and he doesn't seem to pull them back that much when we would like him to. <laughs> Solos can go too long, but it's not bad. Okay. I don't I have a huge amount to say about this song. <laughs> it's one of those situations, with the horn solos, it's one of those situations when you're there live, it's probably like mind-blowing amazing. But when you're listening to it yeah. on scene, your car kind of thing, you're like, yeah, okay, hurry up and finish up now, sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I noticed the Days of Wild reference, though. You can you can definitely hear it. It's just the same beat going. It's the underlying groove. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And it's a good one. 
Oh, yeah. Well, let, let me just quickly pop a quick question around the virtual roundtable. Choose one, 3121 or Days of Wild? Oh, I, I would have to say Days of Wild. Days of Wild. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, you know, 94, 95, lots of swearing. That, that's probably my favourite <laughs> era in the whole thing, in the last however many years it's been, is like 93 through to 95. I'd have to say Days of Wild over 3121. Days of Wild had the guitar solo as well, which just kicked your ass. I'm still feeling it. Uh, <laughs> anything else for 3121? I'd, I'd pick, um, in terms of comparing it to Days of Wild, I'd definitely go Days of Wild, only because of, like, the I think the lyrics and the, the way he raps that song. Like, he, he, he's pretty poor at doing rap, but that was one of the better attempts at it. Yeah. Whereas, whereas in 3121, you know, he's talking about getting into a robe and drinking... You know, chocolate handle cups and stuff. And don't don't pretend like you've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> doing it right now. But yeah, I definitely have to pick Dad's well. Okay. I'm going to say 3121 only because. I back you uh, up. <laughs> Days of Wild. The only thing that I never really got into Days of Wild was the lead line, which is blatantly a huge ripoff of an old Duke Ellington song. Caravan. And yeah, yeah and I know it works. It works. But I just can't get that off. I was like, oh, he's just ripped that off Caravan kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. For that reason alone, the rapping I prefer in Days of Wild, but for that reason alone, I'm going to go for 3121. Yeah, for sure. Mm. She's a lion, I'm a set-up kid. Yeah, that that does, that would... If you brought that into 3121, that'd be pretty cool, I think. I'll go for 3121 as well. For the same reasons, actually. I Whenever I think of Days of Wild, I, I don't really consider it a, a full song. Again, I've never heard a studio version, but when they play it live, it's like a mashup pseudo funk guitar over you know old Duke Ellington caravan you know jazz type stuff so it's a little bit it's 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 not as original as what I think 30 where, where 3121 comes from and um just quickly on the album version Sunny T and Michael B they're, they're tearing it up I hope they come back in this new band Sunny T and Michael B were the best drums and bass he's had I'd pick them over Sheila and Levi yeah, I definitely best rhythm. Easy. Definitely best rhythm. Michael, Michael B, I say Michael B is the best drummer ever that, he, that Prince has had. He just hits it so hard, he just kills it. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll second that opinion too. But moving on. But that's a talk for another time. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's a whole other podcast. Track two, Girls and Boys. Say it. Right on the back of 3121, it comes in with 1, 2, 3, I think, and uh, girls and boys. Start with Captain again. Any thoughts on this? It's 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 nice. <laughs> it's not too different from how he's been playing it for a long time. It was a bit short. I thought you could have had a bit more jamming in it. I like about halfway through, he starts doing this, this bass thing, and it gets a bit more funky, but, you know, if you were there, it would have been great. It would have been better if it went longer. But it doesn't. But on the CD, I can see four minutes. It probably did go one longer at the concert, I don't know. But I think four minutes with that jamming included is a, a good amount of time for, for putting it on this disc. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, take it to Toe Jam next. Yeah, I like the way it segues straight from 3121. I like that. I guess the only... I, I really like the song, so I'm not... It sounds worse than it probably sounds. But um, there's a few times where he does the, you know, getting the audience to sing along. And I don't know if that really works on a CD. Again, it works amazing when you're there, but yeah. hearing it with not much audience in the mix, just kind of like dead silence where they're supposed to be singing. But that's a small complaint, I guess, because it is a live album. 
Okay, and uh, player, what do you think about this one? Well, being girls and boys, it's definitely an all-time fan favourite, and I think that's why maybe he included this track on the CD. I think the semi-beatboxing that he does halfway through it is a bit annoying because he he can't really he's not like he's doing you know Dougie Fresh or something. So Man. that's a bit annoying. <laughs> Ooh. I love that. Oh. <laughs> Touch the nerve, did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little one. <laughs> <laughs> the the bass breakdown by Josh is really funky. I'll probably get into more about his bass playing throughout the review. But I think the one thing that's interesting about this track is it was featured on the It Ain't Over After Show CD as well. I was so, just going to ask if it was on there. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of tracks. It was this in Alphabet Street that was on the yeah. after show. So, you know, with all these after shows that he's recorded and he can cut it down and pick certain tracks that he's picking tracks that he's already picked before in other releases. So I just thought that was a bit interesting why he would he would do that with this release. Yeah, okay. From memory, I think the girls on boys on Inade Over is a little bit more a bit more loose jammy sort of thing, whereas this one's kind of more of a straightforward run through of the song, or at least the first couple of verses. Yeah, I can I can hear that. Comparing those two after show discs, I, I think there's a huge difference from where I'm hearing it, there's a huge difference between One Night Alone, It Ain't Over in general, because you've got Rhonda Smith versus Josh. John Blackwell versus Cora, and some of the other players are, are, are similar, but um, yeah, I think it gives it a very different mix. This, by the way, I prefer Girls and Boys and Alphabet Street on this recording and, and played by this band than the other guys. I just think Prince music is, I mean, classic Prince music like Girls and Boys, it's just minimalist funk. And you bring a jazz fusion kind of drummer in there. I mean, as funky as he is, and Rhonda Smith, who, you know, looks up to people like uh, Stanley Clark and all those kind of guys, Jaco Pastorius, classic bass players, they really, they play a lot over the groove, and it's not as simple. So so I love Girls and Boys on this aftershow disc. I love the horns. They're, they're really up front. I think it's funky. I, I actually love that vocal part that, uh, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how it goes. That's it. Something like that. I like that. I like it when because he, he's doing that and the bass in the background, He's Josh is hitting the bass as well, about the two minute mark. And then it goes into a, a bit of swing. And, and that's another thing. It just, I was like, what? Where, where did this come from? He's bringing Duke back and they're really swinging it before they go into the next track. So I, I really like this. I like this song a lot. I think one thing you can say about Girls and Boys, he's played it pretty much the same every tour since since it came out, which I think just shows it's a good damn song. He doesn't need to play around with it that much. Yeah, I agree with that. Take a point. Yeah, and then Girls and Boys moves on into, I can't even say the next song, because there's three of them, and they're, they're sort of snippets of songs and loose yeah. jamming, etc., etc., a bit of Dave Chappelle thrown in for the mix or not and that is Song of the Heart I think is it Song of the Heart or, or a very brief snippet yeah. of that can everybody get up uh, clap your hands get up by the show see uh, I don't care whatever you do screw baby baby with me uh, uh, whatever you do screw baby baby with me uh, oh, whatever you do screw baby baby with me yeah I don't know about you guys but I look at these next three as basically one track yeah, yeah. me too yeah, definitely. And, and I don't even know why they tracked it differently. They could have, should have just kept it at one. Because there's not a lot of change-up that happens. I mean, it, it does go from the swing initially and, and then it back into the funk type stuff. But yeah, it's it's pretty much one song. And maybe we maybe we should review it as such. Just on my notes here, i got 3 plus 4 plus 5 equals 
one track, so... Uh, one plus one plus one is three. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prince Bonix. Prince Maths. I'll just hit it up very, yeah. very quickly. I think, I think in general... You've got some, you know, some swing. It's playful. It's really loose. There's a great mood on all these three different parts. Um, I think it shows a part of Prince that whether it's put on or not, he seems kind of down to earth and really relaxed here, just talking a whole lot of beep. And and then I, I love Delirious coming in there for just a little bit. All that paparazzi talk. I'm not feeling that so much, but I just think it um, it's just sort of swinging. And then it becomes funky. It's nice. Um, definitely not the strongest, um, the strongest bit of the album. I get delirious, never gonna leave. Lose all self-control, but just can't steer. Wheels get locked in place. Stupid look on my face. Comes to making a bad friend of mine, but just can't wait to rip. I get. Think, Captain. I think with his talking about the paparazzi and stuff, again, that's really been well thought out whether he put that on or not. I mean, there's a reason it's on there. I mean, he's probably trying to show people that he is a normal person when so many people just think he's an absolute freak. He's trying to show he is normal and he does, you know, he used to go to the supermarket, he used to go to New York and walk around and he, he can't do that now. Back in 1978, and, um, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but the one thing that caught me off guard, I don't know if it's in Delirious or just like you, when he said he went he used to get sent to the supermarket by his mum to get cigarettes and tampons. That caught me off guard so badly, I played it back like three times and said, what the hell is he doing? Man. Because I never thought that had come out of his mouth. I, I really didn't think he'd be telling us about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's all one track. It's pretty much the same thing. It just keeps going. Yeah, that's about it. He said, if I could just get a picture of you and Michael Jackson together... If I could just, I could retire, Prince. Just let me get it. That fight. That's when I knew things had changed. Okay, Toe Jam. Well, I think this is the highlight of the album for me. Just this whole section. Oh, you're really like... joking. Oh, no, I think it's... Well, other than the, um, you know, the references to going to the shops and that kind of thing. I just really like the groove. I really love the groove. It just, uh, okay. I love the way it does... It has that really spontaneous sound. You can hear him directing the band, you know, break it down and all this kind of thing. I just I just think it's slamming. So more musically, is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, I just, again, I just like the way it's... It's rare for him to release something like that, just such an, an improv jam. We talked about earlier, a lot of his live releases are very contrived, uh, edited, all this kind of thing. This one, he's just like, no, 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 this jam worked and I'm going to put it out there. And I, I think it's for that reason I like it. Okay, okay. Player, you yeah, feeling this I'll, middle I'll, bit? Uh, no, not really, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll review the, all, all three of them together. The Song of the Heart, it's a bit of a hit and miss. There's nothing really memorable about it. I, I kind of, you can hate on me now, but I, I kind of prefer the Happy Feet version. So, it's a good movie, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Delirious, when it, when it gets into Delirious, the, the cigarette and tampons monologue is really, really funny. And I think that shows, you know, Prince's humorous side. And, in, you know, for the casual listener that doesn't necessarily or has ever been to an after show, you know, you can throw this CD on and sort of pick up his humorous side because a lot of people don't know how funny he can be. So, you know, you get, you're getting that in this, in this track. So, and you can also see how laid back, like, the shows can be to a regular show by these little skits that he does in, in it. And it's just a continuation of the previous track. In, in terms of Delirious, you know, there are better lives versions of the song, but being a spare-of-the-moment thing that they've just 
he just chucks in there. It works well. And the Just Like You monologue where he's talking about hanging out with the cute dudes. I don't know why he would say something like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, I get... The, same with Captain. I get the impression that he's trying to portray himself as sort of like a normal person. You know, it's, it's kind of weird how he tries to... He doesn't understand why he's always being photographed and... He thinks he's being treated like an animal in a zoo and all this sort of stuff. So, And there's an interesting stereo effect if you listen to it on headphones, how it it's kind of zooms from left to right. It's a really cool effect if you listen to it. Yeah, I wondered um, if that was overdubbed, that bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, sure that's overdubbed. Yeah. Yeah. I'd find it very hard for them to do that sort of thing live. And the the other interesting thing about that track is, have you noticed when he's talking about getting the picture with him and Michael Jackson, and as soon as he says that, like That's half the funny. crowd boos? Yeah. They're all <laughs> booing in the background? I can hear. <laughs> I heard that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But all the audience participation and the chance adds to the live feel, so it works well within the context, but overall, I don't feel that like that section, but I think the humorous things that come out of it are really funny. Uh, it's cool to hear, and I, I guess it just going into Satisfied now. Turn off your cell phone, baby. Let me get you satisfied. Oh, my. Just another perfect example of that. I mean, it's all falsetto-based, basically. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Uh, maybe start with Toe Jam this time. I really liked the live version. I was really disappointed with this when the album came out because I thought that was the weakest song on the track. To me, it sounded just like On the Couch Part 2. So I really didn't have any expectation for this track at all, but I really do like the live version. I think he brings a lot out of it. It makes it a really classic slow blues kind of song. Yeah, and for me, it's it's really an example of how he can reinvent a song uh, in the live context, which is one of his strengths, I think. And the only other thing I'll say, again, not picking on it too much because I really like the song. He'd already streamed a couple of versions of this on 3121.com when it was up and running. And so this would be now like the third or fourth version that we've heard from of this, this song from this tour. So, you know, that era. So, yeah. again, maybe a bit of overkill. But small complaint. Yeah, it's, it's the return of Sister Benice or whatever it is. It's like you can hear that in the background. Isn't Morris Hayes just like clowning around in the back there? At yeah, least I was wondering the, who that was. Yeah, that has to be Morris. Yeah, I was thinking it was Morris. Yeah, about to take you all to church. So yeah, it definitely <laughs> breaks it down. Player. Yeah, um, I'm with Toe Jam. I'm, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the album version. It's something that you really got to be in the mood for. It's like one of these get down and dirty songs. So, you know, it's not something that you could throw up all the time. And, and listen to but I mean it's a nice laid back track it has the blues horns has the nice Fender Rhodes the church organ action going and Mike Phillips comes up again he does a sexy solo it's a bit reminiscent of like a Kenny Garrett or something but you know it's one of those tracks for me that you've really got to be in the mood for to uh, to sort of digest okay Captain I can really just agree with everything they said. The album version's not not that great, but live it it seems to work. And this one, it's I like the solo and it gets really good towards the end. But uh, is he trying to like rewrite a door or something and failing? I don't know. But it's still a good song. It oh works. man, you can't put this next to a door, bro. <laughs> but it's the first real sort of ballad like that that he's done. I mean, Ooh. damn you, was that's yeah. a bit different. I could, name, I could name a f- I could name a few. Adores. Oh, there probably is. I'm just forgetting. Mm. To me, Adores are a classic ballad. This is more classic blues. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, the, the, I, 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 yeah. I hear that difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can definitely hear that difference. I mean, I agree yeah. with oh, I, I, I agree with that. What everyone says, um, basically, 
the live version of Satisfied does definitely, um, you know, it, it comes on top of, of the studio version. And uh, but then again, I've, I have that opinion of a lot of a lot of Prince's work. Not all, but a, a lot of the stuff really comes alive. But I just love this part in this song where, and again, it, it's a it's a Mike Phillips reference. And I, I, I actually I think this is Mike's best playing on this disc. When um, Prince says something along the lines of um, "Turn the saxophone sky high, sky high," and and then he comes in, I, I just love that because for me that it's just a sign of of Prince showcasing the band and how much he feels the music. I can he, when he says those words, when he when that line comes out, I just really feel it. He's just he's really enjoying himself on the stage. I mean, he's not even playing; he's just up there on the mic, and then Mike Phillips takes over. So I just love that bit. And then yeah, it's a great blues, and it goes into begging woman blues. Every time I try to guess right, it's always Lil Prince's fault. Begging woman, she begged me all the time. Interesting to see what um, what everyone else will leave it at the same order. Toe Jam goes into another blues. A new song, I guess. Uh, I think it is a cover of an old blues song. I don't know who Not wrote really. the original, but I do remember seeing in the book at the end it has the credits, and it was a cover of someone, but I don't know who. But yeah, I kind of look at this as just an extension of Satisfied, really. Again, the emphasis on the comedy aspect, which you know he's shown in the whole disc up to this point, I think it, I think it works. And again, it's just another way of him trying to show a different side. Yeah, I think it works. I have no complaints. Okay, player. This this track is like a, a musical form of. Uh, of a your mama joke you know and (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah and uh, the first time I heard like the first time I heard this was on the bus and I really wasn't expecting it and when he was saying about you know he's asking for the pepper and she's looking I love that I love that I killed myself laughing on the bus and everyone's just looking at me and I just lost it it was just it's just so hilarious (laughs) and it just follows that traditional blues song structure you know and it's just the humorous side of it all and you know he's got some other tracks in that sort of vein like there's another one called The Rules that he's done a few times before about leaving the toilet seat up and down yeah alright <laughs> I don't know about that one <laughs> but yeah I mean it's it's hilarious it's, it's, it's a great addition to the, to the CD Captain what do you think? I think he seems to like these sort of comedy blues songs because he's got a few of them. I mean, even if I had a harem was tongue-in-cheek sort of, and live there were so many versions he was saying, so many stupid things. (laughs) He just likes that sort of comedy blues sort of song. And this is just another one of them. And it's a good one. It fits, yeah, it's just a continuation of Satisfied and it works. That's about it, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I I think it's funny too. It, It does just continue on. It is actually longer than Satisfied, but yeah. <laughs> I actually think it, it meanders a little bit. Towards the end, it, yeah. it kind of just sort of drops off and becomes a, a bit too chilled out. There's, there's not a lot in the mix other than the instrumental. A big thing for me with this track is, where's your guitar? Because Begging yeah. Woman Blues... Yeah. Give this no to guitar. man. Give this to I think I mentioned a couple names previously, the you know, Buddy Guy, Robert Cray, classic blues players. I mean even give John Mayer a go at this and he would tear it up. That, that's exactly the point where it should come in. When it starts meandering towards the end, plug in the I don't know, what would he be using? The strat or maybe the um the hone, I don't know, but but just plug it in and, oh, and he's probably got that aqua strat. Yeah. I just think it's missing that, and it just kind of dies a slow death towards the end. But yeah, it's it's good. It's like satisfied part two. I like the part where he says, um, 
beg the sweetness out of grandma's <laughs> lemon cake. God, just crack me up, man. That is, it's witty. It's witty prints, and I like that style, so, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to track down the original if I could ever find it. I think it might just be an old traditional thing, so I wonder how much of it is actually him or how much of it is the original. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, if it's in the... I think so. I mean, if, if it's in the original, then I'll change my mind on it because if that's him making it up, I think that's pretty witty, but then again, if if it's come, if it comes out of some old Depression-era blues, then, I don't know, different opinion on it. And then things start to change up fairly drastically from where I'm sitting. Goes into track eight and rock steady. Rock steady. Cover Aretha Franklin. Am I right? Or yes, I think it's an Aretha cover. Let's go backwards, Captain. Yeah, I was confused because I didn't have the track list when I was first listening to this, and it starts off its whole lot of love. It's the bass going That's for right. a while, and then I'm thinking, what's this song? And I didn't look. I just kept listening to it, and then um, you go through it, and then uh, what's her name? Beverly starts singing, who does a like decent enough Aretha impression, I suppose. <laughs> but um, I'm not a big fan of this song. Basically, you know, it's a it's a Prince CD, and it's not Prince. That's that's my main problem with it. Okay. But if he was singing it, maybe I'd like it. But in live concerts, when he gets so many times, he's got guest sings. If it was even Rosie, I wouldn't mind it. But Beverly, uh, not not a huge fan. Okay. Uh, that's better. All right, all right. See if anyone else has that opinion. Player. Yeah, Beverly Knight is a really big Prince fan, so I think you know they've hooked up during this London stint together, and um, it looks like she's just taken on one of the leftover Tamar covers that Tamar has left behind. But you know, Josh is super funky on the bass, and that you know the whole groundwork of the the track is basically a whole lot of love. Yeah, you know, it's a nice filler to the album, but there's nothing earth shattering about it. Again, I'm with Captain on this. I don't know why he decided to put it on there. It could have been put something else. I guess he's just trying to showcase some of the other talent that he had during the shows. Okay, Toe Jim. Well, yeah, I pretty much agree. If I was going to drop a track, that would be the one to drop. You know, maybe he's trying to get more of the um, you know Londoners who went to see the show to go by putting Beverly Knight in there, name checking Beverly Knight. Yeah, I don't really have much more much to add. Again, if it was if it was a Prince song and she sang it, that'd be good. Or if it was a cover and Prince sang it, that'd be good. But it's not a Prince song. It's not Prince singing. It's kind of eh, you know, it's a very skippable track. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's pretty much unanimous on this, at least between us four. Let's vote it most skippable track. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there it goes. <laughs> Wish I had that, that toilet sound. Now I could <laughs> I could flush it down. But no, it's not that. It's not that bad. I haven't got my setup already on this. But no, listen, it's not that bad. It's it's we'll a, that for Misty Blue. I, <laughs> Yeah, it's not over till it's over. I think, listen, Rocksteady, it's a cover. It's not a Prince song. I think it's a good cover. I think the band does it some justice. He picks up the guitar on this, which is one of the, if not the first, then it's definitely the, the first song where the guitar plays a more distinct role. And um, Maceo comes in, I think. That's him on the horn, isn't it? Mm. I don't know if anyone... I guess yeah. maybe if you don't like the song that much, then you don't pay too much attention, but... Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> true, true. But Maceo does come in on that. I think it's okay. But yeah, the, the bass continues on, and it goes into a whole lot of love. Uh, heard this before. I heard this live. 
I don't know. What's your take on it, Captain? The one thing I don't... Not just particularly about this song, but about his guitar playing in general. Uh-oh. Since, since <laughs> late... 2002, though his guitar playing has gotten better, at the same time he's gotten lazier. He's using effects instead of where he used to manually make that sound himself. He's using the whammy bar, which I hate. (laughs) I hate since it was in, I think it was alone in Japan where he got the whammy bar on the cymbal guitar and I I couldn't stand it. I I can't listen to it because it's lazy. Anytime up until that point, I don't think he's ever used a whammy bar that I've noticed. No, he used to do all that sort of effect with his left hand. Like creating, he used to manually do it, but now he's—I don't know if he's just getting old or he's getting lazy. But you can tell the difference. You can—I can hear the difference, and I I don't like it. So listening to this song, every point through the song, I'm like, "Whammy bar, there's a whammy bar. There it goes again." (laughs) And I I can't can't enjoy the song. If he played it like 2001, it would have been great. But on the other hand, his guitar playing has gotten better. Whether that's because he's including these things, do you think? I mean, what he can already do. Do you think his guitar playing has has improved? Drastically within a matter of you know a few years. Not drastically, but it's more focused. I, I know I did put drastically in there. I know that's not what you said, but I mean yeah. just a bit maybe. Since like 2002, I think he has gotten better because for certain periods of time he does play guitar a lot more, and then for a while he won't. He'll just play the average amount, and then all of a sudden he'll be playing it all the time again. And you see him towards the end of a tour where he's been playing guitar a lot. He's going to kick your ass with it because he's been pra- he's been playing it every night, night after night, and he's uh, you're going to get better doing that. It's just practice. But the song, you know, we've heard it before. It was on some other official release, wasn't it? Wasn't it on the One Night Alone DVD? That's right, yeah. And it's not too dear. It's, it's got a good solo about halfway through it. But yeah, it's... What is this Led Zeppelin song? Play a Prince song. Play the ride again. Come on. <laughs> good point, good point. Who's That's next? Because I'm... Um... Well, I'm going to jump in here because I really like the whammy bar. I think it's a great thing <laughs> added to his... Um, guitar playing oh. I love it I reckon it's awesome and it's on it is on <laughs> it's on no I, I do I think I, um, I think the guitar playing here is off the hook I love it and in hearing this you kind of think oh man and what, imagine a whole album like this that would that would rock but um, no I, I hopefully love, this I Lotus Flower is going to be good well that's, that's the take it off the album that's all I have to say about that just let us play. Take that song off it. <laughs> Leave it alone. It's like, uh, yeah, man. For just cutting this podcast completely in half. Who likes forever? I just want to establish that before we continue because I don't Not think I'm really. gonna be able to. Musically, I don't hate it. Lyrically, um, yeah. Musically, it's all right. Lyrically, it's like from, from what we've heard, most skippable track. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Anything on this CD is better than uh, forever. That's my opinion, but. Anyway, yeah. who was next? Was it player or toe jam? No, I know someone me. someone mentioned the, the whammy bar, but player? It's the player. Toe, toe jam said he, he loves the whammy bar. I do love the whammy <laughs> bar. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I could do a lot of nasty stuff just by singling that out. Let's go. <laughs> All right, whole lot of love. Of course, it's the Led Zeppelin classic. You know, it's finally, you know, it's good that we've got this as an official release on CD, even though it's come out on DVD. And it's just great to listen to the guitar work because, you know, nine tracks in, you don't get really the guitar until this point. The main thing I noticed with this song, though, is, you know, he doesn't sing any of the lyrics, which is, you know, it's just an instrumental, so... You know, it's a shame that he didn't include that. And you guys are focused on the whammy bar, but I think you missed that. In the background, <laughs> there's the cowbell. The no, cowbell is no. there. 
Yes, no, it is. I did, I did hear the. I Listen did. to it. There is cowbell. Oh, it's in Dolphin man. Machine all over. <laughs> I wish it wasn't, man. Imagine if it wasn't Dolphin Machine, I'd be at that gig. <laughs> oh man, there'll be cowbell there. Yeah, there is a cowbell. Oh, yep. no. There is a cowbell. <laughs> oh, well. I think you God, would have cowbell was the, the worst thing to. But does he read it? Does he care? Probably not. That was the <laughs> worst thing to happen to a Dolphin Machine was that damn cowbell. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I got that Gold Experience album and I played that song. I thought, what the hell has he done? Why did Warner Brothers just let him release it when he wanted to release it? Dolphin, and it Dolphin Machine is that good. No cowbell Even can bring cowbell it down. It, it cannot bring it down. It's just, yeah. Let me just quickly sum it up. It's an instrumental. I love that it's an instrumental. I don't like the vocal version of, of Any Whole Lot of Love when, when it's done by the Pritz Camp, any version of that. Another thing I heard was the keyboard in the background. I kind of, I, I like that. It's a cool kind of interplay play and then he really makes his, en- his entrance in this song and, and on this album the guitar really comes into effect so for anyone that was looking out for that I second Toe Jam's opinion it's great playing I had he- I've got here a note great use of whammy so Captain I'm, <laughs> um, I'm sorry You're not the I- only one who likes the whammy bar yeah exactly I'm um, I'm actually going to see Jeff Beck next week and um, if anyone knows anything about Jeff Beck he's I think one of the great all time users of whammy whammy bars on, on guitar as a guitar you know additive great use of the whammy and and I do like there's an effect there I'm surprised no one mentioned it where he sort of he must put it through some sort of tra- uh, maybe like a pedal or something it, it's kind of like a um, sounds like a transmission or a gear shift I love that oh yeah I heard I that sounded really love good that, that sounds like sounds, a motorbike going up through the gears yeah that's awesome it's like this guy's just turning yeah. he's going from man to machine he's just becoming you know <laughs> he's like transforming in front. it's just awesome and the soloing's good I think it's good it's the rockiest track on this album and I think it um, uh, 31, 21 Girls and Boys were, was pretty good after that comes a whole lot of a whole lot of love so far from me so but anyway I'll just say to clarify my position on the whammy bar <laughs> I don't hate the whammy bar I hate overuse of the whammy bar, which I think he's doing. If he could just pull back a bit, I think it'd, it'd save it for me. Mm. But he just uses it a bit too much. Okay. So you're saying yeah, you so want him to pull back on his whammy bar? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> Where's Toe Jam? I think Toe Jam needs to come into this. Alphabet Street. That's right. It started up. Is it too funky or is it too funky? Which one is it? Oh, it's definitely too funky. It's um, too funky. <laughs> the only thing I will say is that this kind of Alphabet Street, it's has got that, you know, that sly Larry Graham kind of feel to it. And it's basically the same version he's been playing now for about 10 years. I don't know if the bassline's from a, another song, I'm not sure, but it, that same bassline that he uses in this song, he's been using it for quite a while now. But I really like the outro little little saxes in the background I think that's that's the highlight for me is the outro of the song the only other thing is there was a really obvious edit halfway through the song just before it goes into that country guitar riff for me it kind of ruins the track because it's so obvious but yeah other than that I got it's it's great Alphabet Street always always works yeah okay Captain Alphabet Street I would have to say the first minute and a half of this track is my favourite thing on the whole disc I second that just when when Josh just gets on that bass and starts playing oh, that bass man. line that is just funky <laughs> it is awesome on, on a per- stick personified yeah for sure it's just good and it's, it is the same bass line they've been playing for years but I don't think we've ever heard just the bass play in that bass line yeah that's true heard the bass play in that bass line it's always been horns and other stuff but just Josh playing it it sounds excellent and then he starts playing the guitar and then off oh, you go oh man that's awesome it's great love that bit 
the rest of the song's okay. I'll, the outro I like as well. But yeah, just that first minute and a half, that's, I could just listen to that. I don't need to re- listen to the rest of the disc. <laughs> I'll just play that on repeat over and over. Okay, player, can you listen to the rest of the disc or does this do it for you? Uh, it does do it for me. Even though it has been featured on Eat and Over again, but like with Josh, up until this point, since he's been in the band, he's kind of been like the quiet guy, kind of in the background. And, you know, I wasn't really... Obviously, Prince has selected him for his capabilities, but, and you know, you sort of see when he picks band members, they sort of get highlighted. But we've never really seen anything from him until this CD. And, like, from some of the earlier tracks, but definitely in this track, you see what he's capable of. And I've become a big fan of his bass playing ever since really listening to this CD. Whereas before, I just kind of thought he was like a, a like more of a background guy, kind of like his wife with the drums. She plays straight, she plays pretty good, but, you know, she hasn't done any sort of solos that go, wow, you know, she's like the next Sheila E or whatever. But he's yeah, she's definitely... Yeah, she's not playing the introduction to Shh or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, she has, she has made an attempt at She's it. She's not playing, nowhere yeah. Near, nowhere near the calibre of Michael B or Sean Blackwell, but she does make an attempt at it, and I give her props for that, but, you know, definitely Josh is, you know, highlighting him on this track, and this CD is great. It's not my favourite live version, because like you said, over the last 10 years, it's been this kind of format. Probably my favourite live version is, like, the new the new tour version, where he does the It Takes Two rap with Rosie. Um, but yeah. with with um, the chicken grease guitar and the bass, I mean, it's definitely one of the highlights of the whole CD. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I was just itching to talk about this song. I think this is a... You know, it's a, it's a live staple, Alphabet Street. We all know it. Looks like we all love the song. Just a side note, they played this. They finished up with this track at the basement after show in Sydney on... Uh, was it? Um, October 26th, which I was I was present there that night, so I heard it with my own ears. I hate you. I officially hate you. <laughs> That's right. I didn't go to the second gig. I didn't go to October 25th, so if you went to that, I hate you back. <laughs> I didn't go to any of them. Oh, man. That's unlucky. I did get a One Night Alone in Japan, though, so... Nice. Right. So you've got and something I went to two, on I went to, And I went to two musicology shows in the States, and I went to the June 13th, 2000, first celebration as well, so... Oh, okay. So I don't you, know who you, you've there. been to Paisley Park. I have. That's insane. Yeah. Ooh. But um, yeah, going back to this, this this song is just too funky. I love it. I love the the breakdown. Just makes the song, and because of the breakdown, I officially it's MC Sloma's favorite live version of Alphabet Street ever. That nothing compares <laughs> to this. Just for that little bit, because ever. it's almost ever, easily ever. Because it's yeah. what it does is to me, it's almost as if you get this secret passageway into what it would be like when they're in the studio jamming on this. I could imagine, you know, uh, Sunday morning, they start up just a rehearsal, and Prince says, all right, Josh, get on the bass to do this, or, or start up the bass on Alphabet Street. And that's exactly, even though it's an after show, even though it's live, people, you know, there's an audience, it just sounds so good. And I have never, ever seen Prince break down a song and his band break down a song like that. It's not the end of the world. I might be over-exaggerating a little bit, but it, it, it's just, you know, it starts out with a bass, and then it comes up with a kick only, and then the, when the guitar comes in, and that is funk. That's what funk is. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's like one plus one plus one equals funk, and it's and it's perfect. 
I love how he builds the song. Oh man, the bass, the kick, the guitar, everything. It's a great jam. It's one of the best on this set. And then Maceo takes it into overdrive, I think. Uh, no one's mentioned Maceo so far, but he just pushes this track to the upper limits because, I don't know, I, I think it's always been a bit James Brown-esque, this, this track, in any case, even the studio version. I've got to say, about breakdowns, probably the, some of the best things I've ever heard that he's done have been breaking things down and building them back up again. He just knows how to do it. Plus, he's got the songs to do it with, and some old stuff that you hear is just unbelievable. You know, I think that's why the fans were really hanging out for that seven CD sample disc set, because you could just break down all these parts and just yeah. get right into them. It would have been great if you could have released that, because you could just m- muck been. around with it and just bring out things like this, like bass and guitars, just be awesome. Well, he did that, with, he did that with, the mu- with Musicology on the MPG Music Club website before. I remember it had that. The lyrics. Yeah. You had you had the bass and the drums that and the guitar cool. and before you had mm, and you had endorphin right. machine as well i think i had let's work that was i remember playing yeah that. let's work oh, was there man i remember oh. that yeah and, and, it, and there was let's work well, endorphin yeah. machine endorphin yes and there was on the interactive game there was race you could muck around with race as well yeah race was on there as well yep yeah see that type of stuff but that doesn't work on my on uh, vista anymore I can't play it. Damn Microsoft. I never really played that. Is that is that any good? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't imagine it would be, but yeah. It's In 1994, five, it was pretty yeah. damn cool. Mm. My computer could barely play it, but it, it just managed. But it was cool. There was all these secret things you could find in rooms and studios. It was cool at the time. Now it's rubbish, really. You need to do a new one. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're coming out with a new game. That'd be good. That'd yeah. be pretty funny. You know this this new website. Just uh, I don't want to sway too much, but maybe that's you know they're talking, they're hyping it up like an online portal, a universe. I just can't wait. Yeah, to Yeah, un- alternate so. universe. Mm. Mm. It'd be pretty interesting. It could be. It could be great, but I'm guessing it's going to be slightly average. Okay, we'll find out. But shortly. the picture is great. The artwork so far is great. I love that picture that's on there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Maybe we'll finish up just uh, today talking a little bit about that and, and what's happening because uh, we, we're right in the midst of a uh, resurgence, I feel, anyway. So um, we'll just finish up with that. But going into the next track, Indigo Nights. Get on the boat, part deux. That's basically what it is. I've heard this heaps of times. They pl- they've played it live on you know on some TV appearances and all that kind of stuff. So this is, this for me this is the weakest track on the album. What do you guys think? Starting with Captain. Who's playing piano? Is this still Renato? Yeah, that's oh, Renato for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's Renato. You can say he's a great technical player, but I don't particularly like his style, especially when he's doing this sort of Latin thing. I've heard it many times, and when he starts on it, I just go, oh, here we go again, and he plays it for five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, we've heard it, and it is, it's get on the boat. Yeah. But yeah, Renato is a great player. I'll never say he's not, but sometimes his style, nah, it just puts me off a bit. But I suppose this is just another filler track, you could say. I mean, does he even sing anything? I don't think he sings anything. No. It's just an instrumental. No. Well, it's called Indigo Night. Yeah, it's the title of the of the album. It's it's yeah. it's put a. I think they put it down as a new song. So, um, Tojam, what do you think of this new song, Indigo Nights? Well, the Indigo Nights title. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a, a money grab, trying to grab people that oh, a new track. Oh, I better grab that. Mm. And of course, the moment any hardcore Prince fan puts it in, here's it straight away. It's get on the boat straight away. So it's in that respect, I think we're all a bit disappointed. We're all sort of hoping for a real new song. Definitely, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I like Renato. I think he's a, an awesome player. And this, this basically, that's all this song is. It's just to feature Renato Neto. And i got no complaints with that because he's such a good player. Okay, player? I had for that one. <laughs> Speaking of good players... <laughs> uh, yeah, Renato is fantastic on this track and I, I love his playing whenever he does it so and the thing with Renato is, is he, he never does two solos the same he, he always mixes it up and I kind of like that because kind of Prince does that with his solos as well so That's I, true. Def- I definitely love the caliber of his musicianship I mean you wouldn't see playing like this come out of Mr. Hayes so if you know if there's a band change or whatever I hope he keeps Renato on board because he can just cut it up I mean his chops are really good Maybe a bit too technical, like Captain said, but in terms of the sort of level of musicianship, he's definitely one of the stronger team members in the band. But yeah, same as Get On The Boat. It was, yeah, a bit of a trick to flip it around and call it Indigo Nights, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all that. There's a Latin flavour there. There's, there's Renato behind the keys, but uh, that's all I've got to say about this song. Nothing special. Yeah, Get On well, The Boat. Well, he's from Brazil, isn't he, yeah. Renato? Yeah, he yeah, so is. So so that's, that's that's what he knows how to play. It's a good choice for him to play something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I've seen him, out of the three times I've seen him, when he does get going on a solo, sometimes they're good. Like you say, every time they're different. Sometimes they can be really good. Other times they're just average. And he's yeah. looking for something good and he just keeps playing around and then he'll find something good. But in between those good things, there's just crap in between. And the few times I've seen him, a few times I was just going, oh, God, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how well he fits. He's good. He's, he's absolutely excellent. I don't know how well he fits into the Prince sound. And I guess there's there's no one print sound. There's many and many print sounds, and they're, they're evolving as well. So it's hard to pinpoint it like that. But Renato Neto is, is, in my mind, the most technically gifted pianist keyboardist Prince has ever had. And for yeah. me, by the same token, he's the one that has come across with the least amount of feel, least amount of emotion. He's added the least to his music, other than the fact that the other guys he used to have weren't kind of jazz jazz bass players, or maybe. As, as classically trained as he was in, in that form of music and it I think he, he brought Renato in to add a new component and it he's done that but it's not for me Prince is always going to come back to, to bass, drums, synth or bass, drums and guitar and just kick it either way and, and really just play it raw and when you start adding all these bells and whistles it, it you lose that sound. Most bands, most jazz bands, come up with key players like this. So. Now you, you said that the best. He he doesn't have the feel. He's clinical. He doesn't he doesn't bring anything to it apart from being a great player. He doesn't have the feel. He doesn't have he hasn't got the funk. That's his problem, I think. Mm. He's Brazilian. Do Brazilians have the funk? I don't know. Oh, I, th- I can oh, name yeah, some Brazilian. Yeah, they definitely have the funk. I mean, I mean he can play funk. He can play exactly what Prince tells him to, mm. but I just don't feel it. I don't think he suits this band as well as he did, say, the 2002 uh, yeah, One Yeah, I definitely. That band yeah. better, but I still love him as a player, and I don't know, I, I kind of disagree with you about feel. I think he's got heaps of feel. Yeah, I, I think he's got feel as well. He does really good runs as well, really Feels, fast. Feel is easily the, the, the worst term I use to describe Bernardo Nettis playing, I think. I, I think... Um, rawness and, and a kind of okay the, the type of let me put it this way he doesn't have Prince feel yeah I agree with that there you go maybe if you get behind the keys and and on, and on the get get on the boat the uh, studio version just very very quickly finishing up on this that's Prince on the keys and he's ripping it up and it's in a similar vein sounds better to me it sounds more basic it sounds as if he's sort of it's not as polished it just sounds better a little bit more gritty and raw but going into another 60s soul cover at least I think it's a 60s Misty Blue I say, Blue. 
escape. <laughs> and next we have Baby Love. <laughs> Misty Blue, anyone? I've got nothing to say about this. Uh, Shelby's okay. She's all right. She can sing. She's got some pipes. What do you guys think? Toe Jam. Well, I'm a big Shelby fan. I think she's a great singer. But again, if maybe if this was like a three CD set, like One Night Alone Live, this would suit better. But it's only a one a one disc Prince album. I think we're all kind of hoping a little bit more Prince, a little bit less guest artists. Everybody say Shelby J. Shelby J. Shelby J. Oh man, forget it. <laughs> a, um, a star is born, he said. Oh, yeah. Having said that, the guitar on Baby Love is I like that. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got a few very similar things to say about that when we get into it. Player, what do you think about Miss? Well, when I'm thinking Misty Blue, I'm thinking of the the colour of the lint in my navel. <laughs> I mean, it's really a sleeper of a song. <laughs> and, I mean, Shelby J is very good. And she, I mean, I loved her since the D'Angelo days when she was with D'Angelo. And I'm really, I would really love to see her um, Prince bring out the solo CD of hers. Supposedly he's working on it. So I really would like to see that, but... Not this track. I mean, she's got the vocal chops to to do it, but as the song itself, it's a bit of a sleeper. I, I definitely, I even when reviewing the songs to do this podcast on this track, I couldn't even sit through all of it. I had to hit skip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's definitely Prince trying to oh let's you know recreate the feel of the show and everything, yeah, which is a good idea. Yeah. But I just don't really think it works. Vegas review. That's what it screams to me. Of. Although I have to say one thing that I missed out initially. Cora's drumming, I think it comes either first or a close second in the drumming department on this whole disc. There's some really nice drumming towards the end, and I don't know if anyone else caught on to that. <laughs> well, if you, if you, um, I didn't make it to the end. If you didn't make it to the end, you miss out on some nice drumming there. There's there's a few different fills that she does, and, and uh, just towards the end, it's really nice. And, and surprised me as well, I have to say, so. I'll have to look out for that. Captain? When I say Misty Blue, I think, before I even listened to the track, I thought Royal Blue, which was... Tyker Nelson's album, and which was basically not that good. And then I listened to this, basically not that good. So <laughs> my connection was right. Makes sense. It's it's just not that good. She can sing, but out of fifteen tracks on a single disc, we got three tracks where Prince isn't singing, and he's playing not a lot of guitar even in the background. And their covers as well. And and their mm. covers. But yeah, on the other hand, if he was singing them, it'd be a different case. But he's not. I don't know if I'd want him. I don't even know if I want to hear him sing Misty Blue. I don't know. No, actually, yeah, come to think of it, I wouldn't either. Have you noticed that anything really that he releases live, if you go back to the 93 VHS era days of the um, Sacrifice of Victor, where he had the Steels and he was doing Jailhouse Rock, he he always uses these things to highlight other people and and Mavis Staples and all that sort of stuff. So really nothing's changed in that department. Now, the thing I do like, though, you know, I don't like these tracks as they are on the disc he likes to be in a band he doesn't always want to be out the front he doesn't want to yeah. be a prince he wants he wants to be a guitar player standing in the back like everyone else yeah I so get that I can, impression too I know why these are on here and even live like I saw him do a three hour sound check and he likes to just be standing in the back with the band playing some stuff he doesn't always want to be you know prince standing out the front being the person everyone's looking at that's a good point yeah especially in an after show situation yeah, that's what. Even on that '98, what that beautiful, strange video DVD, he had um, Mavis Staples singing. Was it Mavis Staples Shaka singing Khan. a couple? Chaka Khan, yeah. yeah, one of those. <laughs> yeah, he just likes to stand in the back and just do what he does and be out of the spotlight for five minutes, which I can understand. Yeah. I think that 
the disappointing I agree with you but I think the dis- disappointing part in terms of the album is that this tour was very you know acclaimed by the critics and, and all the people that went loved the tour and everything so we're all you know waiting to hear this after show disc and then you know to have it with the three covers and the three uh, guest vocalists it's just it's not bad but it's kind of eh, okay fair enough Imagine if we could have picked the tracks that were on this disc. Imagine if he handed us the soundboard tapes for every after show and get there you go. Make a three <laughs> three disc set out of that. <laughs> That'll be the How day. How good would that be? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Calhoun Square, Calhoun Square, Calhoun Square, Calhoun Square. <laughs> <laughs> did he play Endorphin Machine? I don't think he did. I don't know. If I ever hear him play a snippet of Endorphin Machine, I think I'll go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> that is just one of my favourite tracks. Man, let's just finish this up and listen to Endorphin Machine, I think. Alright, okay, Baby Love. Funky bass, priceless guitar lick. That's all I have to say about this track up front. Greatest guitar moment on this disc. One of the most strange, weirdly beautiful, and I don't want to try and sound lame about this, but the, the guitar is about, I don't know, 10-15 seconds maximum towards the end of this song where he just comes in. That's feel. That's all I have to say about that. That is perfect. This is and, the wailing guitar bit? Yeah, about? how cool is it? Oh, it's just it's just so smooth. It sounds as if he's it's, it's just really flowing out of him and I absolutely love it. I just think it's perfect and testament to his guitar playing. I've never heard him play that lick before or anything even similar, I have to say. I've never heard him play anything similar. It's just perfect. It's beautiful. And every time Baby Love comes on, aside from the funky bass and it's a good track, it's a good cover, I wait for that guitar solo and I, I turn it up to 11 on that. I just love it. What do you think, player? Uh, I'm with you on that. It, it really picks up the pace after Misty Blue. It's very rocky, very funky another cover but you know Shelby's got the good rock vocals like her vocal is very strong it's not like you know the twins or whatever <laughs> and and just great guitar especially towards the end of the track I have to co-sign on especially the guitar work yeah so Jam I know you like this guitar bit come to the it's, forefront I pretty much agree with everything said of the three it's definitely the one that I would have kept uh, Shelby's a great singer guitar's good it's a bit more rocky which is you know really only the second sort of pure rock track on the album so no, it's it's all good, this one. Cool, good stuff. This really picks it up on the guitar. I wonder if it was a um, an intentional thing. I, I think it was. I'm starting to close out this album with a little bit more guitar work coming up with, with Baby Love, The One Slash Question of You, Medley, I guess, and, and then also finishing up with... Uh, also, Love You in London. That's right, <laughs> London Town. So yeah, the, uh, the guitar's coming to the forefront, and I'll just quickly make a, a summary for, the, for this next track, The One... Buy you anything you want to eat Make love to your child Eat in every day of the week Look no further Ow! I am the one I've heard this plenty of times. Never changes up that much. I kind of, um, whenever I hear this track, I don't, I prefer it without the horns. Uh, I prefer it without Mike Phillips. I prefer it without Maceo. The keys I kind of like, but I just think the one when it's a really raw, kind of more gritty, rocky version, a la the version he played in Sydney of 
2003 on his Aussie tour, I thought was awesome. I can't even remember that exactly how it went on that tour, but I remember being at the gig and he played a very similar version to this and it was just like a haze and he had the guitar strapped on, he had the strat on and he would just you know, start playing some chords on that and, and distorting it and it was really, really cool. So I always liked this. Maceo's okay, but I don't like the horns. So what do you think, Captain? I've seen him play this twice now and yeah, it doesn't change. It's pretty much always the same version, which is fine. But this one in particular doesn't have that much guitar. He plays like the intro, which is Question of You, and then it goes into the one, and and then he's got a bit of guitar at the end, but it's nothing really that you haven't heard before. It's not a blow-your-mind guitar solo, which he could have put on there. And again, there's a bit of whammy bar, yeah, but you can live with that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to wait until you, no. rev- you review a track when you say, oh, I absolutely <laughs> love this, and then it'll be like, you know that had whammy bar on it? And then watch me see your jaw drop. <laughs> as long as there's not overuse of the whammy bar, mm. that'll be fine. Yeah, I would hate for that- Prince to become lazy. I don't think he has. I think he's he dis- I think he's discovered it. But He's discovered a new tool. He's using it, and like when you discover anything new, you're going to use it a bit too much. But he's, it's been since like late 2002 now. Come on, at seven years, you can lay off a bit on the whammy bar now. Start playing. Stop being lazy. <laughs> yeah, Prince. What are you Take doing? That. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, listen to this. Play some Play proper guitar, guitar, Prince. <laughs> Player, what do you think? Question of you, or the one, I should say. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, he, he really stretches this one out and takes his time with it. And, you know, he's got the um, Mike Phillips sexy solo through it. In the mid there, mid section there, it, it turns into a sort of a bit of a jazzy section with Maceo and Renato. But as always, the guitar work is awesome. And yeah, my only really complaint of it is not enough guitar work in it. I could have done with it a little bit more. But apart from that, it's pretty much what we're used to with when he's mixing up these three songs. And it works well, but yeah, more guitar for me, definitely. Okay, Tajem, what do you think? Well, I, I really like the song and the live version. I like this, this version. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. A little bit, bit more guitar would have been a bit nicer. Do you guys, have you seen the... Um, the download MPG Music Club download from the music Omaha. Yeah, yeah kicks ass. Yeah, kicks ass. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah that guitar that's solo. That's not a solo. That, that's an awesome solo. And so maybe he's thinking, you know, I've already put that out, so maybe I won't do the solo on this one. That's just a thought. I'll but, just uh, put out a boring version. <laughs> <laughs> boring. Whoa. Biggest <laughs> call of the night. <laughs> boring. Boring. No, I really like it. <laughs> There's a few different little chord changes in there that I think mix it up a little bit differently, which I like. Well, he comes and up I- with the with the energy and the screams towards the end, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely, completely. Yeah. And um, I like the two sax solos. I think they work well, and I like the swing section. Yeah, it's basically the same as the Musicology version, uh, except with not as not as much guitar. So again, no complaints. I really like this. Okay, all right, and that leads us into track 15, which name checks London. All the critics love you in London. You can dance if you want to. All the critics love you in London. You don't have to keep the beat. That's the biggest need in London. You can wear what you want to. It doesn't matter in London. Makes perfect sense. He got a lot of rave reviews when he was playing his his gigs there, his main concerts and his after shows and all the rest of it. The album came out, I think, with the with the newspaper there, didn't it? Yes. So um, I it. he he, I think he got a lot of support. Opened up a lot of new channels uh, in London and in Europe. A lot of Europeans um, from all across the you know the continent came to see him, and and he's using this to close off. 
perfect. I think this is a perfect close off. Just to name check the city that you've you know you've just had a pretty good success in. I think it's funky. I love the beat. I think it's just like a quick shuffle, a quick beat kind of kind of deal. The horns, man. When Macy, I'm assuming it's Maceo that comes in there because it, it just sounds like him on the. I think it's the alto. Um, Solo at the end, yeah. That's yeah, cool. it is yeah. off the chain. Is it? All that kind of stuff. It's like, and it's quicker than that. It's just really, really tight. Some of the best playing I've heard Maceo do in a long time. Funky guitar, cool finish. It's just a, and it's a nice closer. It's a nice closer to the um, to the album, and it makes sense. All the critics love you in London. Toe Jam, what do you think? Yeah, I had my notes for this one was Maceo because that solo at the end, that that's a killer solo. Isn't it good? I mean, it's, he's yeah. playing as if he's twenty years old. I know he's like he's got to be. I'm guessing sixty five at least. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's, he's I don't know. He just never slows down. He's such a good player. Yeah. Another thing with this track is from reading the reports on Housequake, it did go for like twenty minutes, half an hour. Apparently, this is only I think six or seven minutes. So a lot of editing has been done but again you know it's a CD you can't fit everything in yeah See, it sounds seamless though it does yeah you can't pick up where they've actually done it unless you know it's there yeah again a, a great closer nice way to close what about the ending as well with the last 30 seconds what, yeah, what is that <laughs> with some the bat dance some randy, random fans, fans bat dance thrown in there yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know one of them sounds like Beverly Knight herself <laughs> saying oh, I'm just gonna cry now or something like that I don't know it's um I don't really have anything to say about that. <laughs> kind of, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Way to end. And the comments aren't even that, that great. They're not that poignant. It's kind of just strange. When I heard those comments, it reminded me of the um, the Sacrifice of Victor VHS, where they're all doing comments throughout the show. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit reminiscent. That's what that reminded about. me of. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe you felt rejuvenated. When, I come, when you come to think about it, since late 04, 05 was basically a, a nil year for touring, 06 for the most part was um, you know he was playing support member to, to Tamar a little bit and then, and then towards the end he, he started up with the 3121 residency which I you know I, I never saw I don't, I don't you guys did anyone ever go to that no. yeah, yeah I mean it was kind of it was short it's a residency and then in 07 he's got these 21 nights and outside of that nothing else 08 absolutely nothing more or less yeah. um, I just think that maybe you know t- time flies pretty quick he's getting older and he thought well, what a reception you know it was just a great reception maybe he's just sort of putting that on the end to say listen I'm still I'm still relevant people love me people love me in London where there's so much different music especially the music scene now it's like all these MySpace bands coming up and just crazy and he's like you know I'm still here but. and then to put the icing on the cake of all of that he's mixed in bad dances well. <laughs> <laughs> I just his finest hour it's just it's <laughs> right. I don't understand just to that top yeah. it off. it's such yeah. a princely thing to do it's just what <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it, but it's just kind of all it's right, like whatever. Ta- tampons in the grocery store. That's the same kind of thing. Maybe those two are related. Keep yeah, busted. that's it. That's the track by track that finishes up the album. Um, can I just say about um, Morris Hayes? The breakdown on that is kind of like the breakdown in the Alphabet Street with Josh. With the, the it is pretty good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's it kind of surprised me because Morris never really got featured before except for the jam and I think the jam solo is a bit weak ass so for him to come out on this is pretty good and there's some psychedelic guitar that Prince is doing in in the background as well that's that's yeah there's actually a lot of guitar in this track Mm. But it's very not. It's not up front. It's just. It's just there. Yeah. You just got to listen for it. That's and it's right. uh, yeah. Now that I think of it, it's very. It, it is very funky. I mean, whenever Prince plays that kind of stuff, it's funky. But I don't hear a lot of stuff. And I, I listen to a fair amount of funk music. Maybe not as many live records. But it, it's it's kind of. It's really got that feel. And um, a lot of contemporary people don't don't seem to have that. Maybe it's because it's um, you know 
rooted in this 70s funk style, but yeah, I love it. I haven't got the funk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so that, I mean, that, that finishes that up. Final thoughts, what, I'll, I'll do a quick quick round table on, on you know, a conclusion and, and what you guys thought overall. Maybe let's let's score this, uh, give it a score out of 10, just use the old, you know, out of 10 system, zero being absolute useless, I can't believe I <laughs> didn't purchase it in some <laughs> cases, or, or a 10 for, you know, the greatest thing since Sign of the Times, but, um, Give it around to Captain to start up. What are your What are your overall thoughts? Ooh, as a live disc, from anyone else, it'd be great. But we know we expect so much from it, even though we never get what we want. It could have been better, but the quality's great. It's got 15 tracks. It runs just under 77 minutes, so they put pretty much as much on the disc as you could, which is nice because it could have been 40 minutes, and that wouldn't have been good. But uh, if I got to give it something out of 10, I'll probably say. Are we doing halves as well? <laughs> Do whatever you want. It's your score. I'll say seven and a half. It would have been maybe eight, except for those three covers with Shelby and Beverly. But yeah, seven and a half out of ten. All right. Pretty strong start. Decent decent score, I have to say. Player. Yeah, final thought. Um, what I would have liked to have seen with this book is maybe a DVD instead of a CD. Or Ooh, even... It's starting to sweat now. Yeah. Maybe even a behind-the-scenes rockumentary sort of thing. So, like, there's, like, the picture book, so you get, like, the still pictures, and then you get the movie type of what it was with the whole 21 Nights thing. I would have liked to have seen that better because, as far as I'm concerned, the It Ain't Over CD sort of covered the ground of the after-show disc. But having said that, it still is a very good and well-put-together disc. I read on Housequake of of the after-shows there was a show with... Just Cora, Josh, and himself, a new power trio, and they said that yep. kicked it. And I would have really liked to have heard that, but I'm thinking that maybe he done it this way to feature more of the whole band and get them all included into it. So, I mean, for what it is, including the book, it's good value for money, but disc on its own, I'd say about 6 out of 10. Whew. Okay, alright, a little bit lower. Toe Jam, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you guys are pretty much, I pretty much agree with most of that. Um, what is actually on the disc is really good. I really like it. Just, just the simple fact that what it could have been, whether whether it be a DVD or you know, I, I think a, like a three CD box set would have been awesome with this. Uh, just he's just tried to, uh, it's hard to explain. He's tried to squeeze too much different stuff into into one disc. Yeah. And yeah. as um, player just said, you know, a lot of that had already been sort of covered in It Ain't Over. So it's it's not really that dissimilar, really. And so I'm going to give it. Seven and a half as well, because I really like what's on it. But the two and a half points that are missing is just the fact that it could have been so much better. Just and the book as well. The book was the major disappointment for me. But yeah, seven and a half. I, I really like the album. Okay. I can listen to it lots and you know enjoy it. All right, nothing really new to add. The, if I had to give it a score, just just on the album alone, which is obviously what we're what we're looking at, I'd I'd go with I'd go with a seven and a half overall. See, this, this is the thing. It's it's controversial because na- name check any other artist. First of all, who does after shows. Second of all, who records them on a regular basis. And third of all, who would publish it and sell it in the same fashion. I can't think of one. Maybe that's because my sort of circle of listening is limited. But I kind of think it goes back to this argument of being spoiled print, Prince listeners. And as a spoiled Prince listener, I give it a seven or, or a seven and a half based on everything. And I'm not really judging the disc maybe, you know, on its own merits. 
because I'm comparing it to everything else that I've heard and, and you know, mm. the previous thing and all that kind of stuff. And the standards are high. So, but if it was anyone else, this would be a 10 out of, this would be an 11 out of 10. This is a soundboard recording of an after show. I, I think what makes it work is the fact that it's variety. I, I know you just mentioned Tojam that it, he tries to cram a, a lot into it. Sometimes it can, it can go either way, but if, it, if this was 15 straight rock songs, I think it'd, it'd also uh, potentially get a little bit boring. And so, yeah, 7.5 overall. I'm happy to have it, very happy to have it. Anytime you can get access to an after show in, in perfect quality, I think, there's, I think he could just come in and you know, twiddle his thumbs and it'd be good kind of deal is where where I'm coming from so I I think it's great it loses its points for for the fact that there's too many covers on there there shouldn't be any a little bit too a little bit too much of the band I think if anything the the CD should say Prince and the MPG or the current version just to give them a little even a little bit more but yeah that's about it even when you think about it Fallen is actually a cover as well Mm. yeah he he doesn't um, he doesn't do much of it though as far as I know he doesn't do any of it does he yeah, I think it's credited on there, though. So but anyway, yeah, I, it's, I on, it's hear, on there. I couldn't, I couldn't actually hear any of it, but yeah, could be wrong. So that's it, Indigo Nights, live sessions, London 2007. Just closing up on that, really n- nothing more to add, but uh, something that was brought up earlier, I'm just thinking uh, on the on the back of this album review, throw this up in, in, into the air. Well, I'm not going to say what does everyone think. Let me be a little bit more specific. Any expectations for, for Lotus Flower, the album? Ooh... Uh, Trying not to have too much expectation because I know you know everyone's it's going to be the the rock album that everyone's kind of waiting for. Is it? I think well that's that's the, you know the so I'm kind of trying not to have expectation. 